This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. This here is episode 168 entitled, No One is Good Except God Alone, Mark chapter 10. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. I appreciate you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Did you know that we have a YouTube channel where we put out the weekly episodes and occasionally we have short little teaching videos? Please be sure to check out our YouTube page, subscribe, and if you like any of the videos, be sure to share them with your truth-seeking friends. You can find a link to our YouTube page in the description associated with this podcast. As of late, we have been exploring the Christology of our earliest gospel account, the Gospel of Mark. In doing so, we have tried to find the most exalted claims about Jesus that have resulted in some interpreters thinking that Mark possesses a high divine Christology. However, we have come to see that these readings go beyond the text, and Mark actually portrays Jesus as the human Messiah, highly authorized by the one true God. In this episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, we will focus entirely on a single passage, Mark 10, verses 17 through 18. This is the passage where the often described rich young ruler comes to Jesus and calls him the good teacher. Jesus responds by saying that no one is good except God alone. On a plain reading of this passage, Jesus is making a distinction between himself and the good God. However, this is not how many readers, particularly internet apologists and theologians, want the text to say. So they find rather ingenious ways to suggest that Jesus is actually claiming to be the good God within this passage. We will take a considerable amount of time in this episode to look not at these internet apologists, but at critical scholars in their commentaries on the Gospel of Mark to see what the experts have to say about this passage. Is Jesus secretly saying that he is the good God? Or is the plain reading of the passage, where Jesus points to someone else as the good God, in fact, correct? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is simply looking at the rich young ruler. I'll go ahead and read for our listeners the passage here in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except 
God alone. That's Mark 10, verses 17 through 18. Okay, so initially I'm going to give just some basic reflections on this particular passage before we turn and look at what other people are saying about it. So we've got this man, and he's not really described with a lot of specificity, at least in Mark's version, and he comes up to Jesus and he kneels before him. Well, some might say that this means that the man regarded Jesus as God because he showed this sign of respect and prostration. Maybe kneeling before Jesus is an act of worship. Let's take a little bit of some time to look at this particular verb. So the verb is rare. It's only used four times in Scripture, and it is the Greek verb gonipeteo. And in its four occurrences within Scripture, it is never once used with God as the object of the kneeling. It is always in reference to someone kneeling to Jesus. So you couldn't take this particular word and say, wow, look at there. We have people that kneel before God and people are now kneeling before Jesus. So that means that Jesus is God. You can't make that argument. In fact, this is never used of God. It's only use of Jesus. So you can't read much into that particular verb. Now, Jesus responds to this man saying, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And I'm going to make an argument that we need to translate this particular phrase as literally as possible. While it's true that no one is good except God alone is a correct translation, there's a little bit more specificity that I think we can draw from the Greek text. So we have in Greek, e mi is o theos, which is a phrase to where after Jesus says, no one is good, the Greek would now read, except one person, namely the God. And we know that this refers to one person, namely God, for a few reasons. There are a few reasons where we can have some confidence in understanding that this person that Jesus is referring to is one single person. How do we know this? Well, the man who ran up to Jesus is defined in this passage, in the Greek text, not as a rich man, not as a rich young ruler, but simply as, in Greek, is, which is the cardinal number one in the masculine. That's what it says in Mark 10.17. It just says, one person ran up to Jesus. One person, and because Is is masculine, this one person is male. One person ran up to Jesus. Jesus responds by saying, no one is good except for one person. And Jesus defines that one person as, quote, the God, end quote. This is interesting. Jesus actually tells us about his monotheism. Jesus defines God as one person. Jesus isn't a Benetarian or a Trinitarian, and this is what Jesus believes, and of course, this is what Jesus teaches. So, we know that God is one person because the adjective is, is the card number one, because when the man is introduced, he's also introduced as one particular person. Now, this phrase 
used by Jesus, according to Mark, which says except one person, namely the God, was already used in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 2, where Jesus forgave the sins of the paralytic. In this story, the scribes accuse Jesus of blasphemy because, in their response, quote, who can forgive sins but God alone? Chapter 2 and verse 7. But the Greek here, in chapter 2 and verse 7, is the same that Jesus says, meaning the scribes respond literally by saying, who can forgive sins but one person, namely the God. Now in that story, Jesus claims to be the Son of Man with whom the one God has shared the divine prerogative of forgiving sins. Jesus doesn't claim to be the one God who forgives sins. He claims to be an authorized human being whom the one God has empowered to forgive sins. So in Mark chapter 2, the phrase is defining God as one person with which Jesus agrees. And the same phrase used in our present passage, Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 18, also defines God as one person. So the scribes, who are good Jewish monotheists, understand that God is one person, and Jesus himself also is a good Jewish monotheist who teaches that God is one person. So on a plain reading of our primary passage, Jesus is deflecting the claim of being the good teacher, choosing to only regard the one God as good. And Mark is pretty consistent with this phrase, the word good, never describing Jesus with the term good anywhere else in the gospel account. So now the plain reading of Mark chapter 10, verse 18, where Jesus does not claim to be the one God who alone is good, has really bothered evangelicals, apologists, and proponents of an early high divine Christology. This plain reading just pushes at the suggestion that Jesus is one and the same as the one God. And if you were to Google the phrase, no one is good except God alone, question mark, into YouTube, or even into Google itself, you're just going to find many pages, dozens and dozens of pages and videos of people asking how Jesus could say this if Jesus really is God. And you can just see the responses of these apologists who have to write paragraph after paragraph, something like 2,000 words, to try to turn this text around to where if you look at it just at the right angle, Jesus is actually claiming to be the one God who is good. By the way, something we should point out, if this interpretation is true, that Jesus is actually claiming to be the good God, then it would mean that God is one person, and that one person is Jesus. There is no trinity here. No trinity of persons. So I don't think that those who argue that Jesus is claiming to be the good God in Mark 10, 18, 
actually agree with the conclusions that naturally follow from that reading because those conclusions are very troubling and problematic. Of course, if you're a oneness Pentecostal, you would like this particular reading. But the point is, there are a lot of people on the internet that really struggle with the plain, basic, obvious meaning of this particular passage, and they have to do these mental gymnastics and backflips in order to just get the text to get to the point where Jesus is not saying that he isn't the good God, but Jesus actually claiming to be the good God. And I just have to say, if I'm being frank, that this is just really poor hermeneutics. It's awful interpretation. Unfortunately, it's it's amateur hour, and it's sad that the texts of Scripture are not the standard for belief. The standard for belief of these internet apologists is their already agreed upon Christology that they bring to the text to make the text fit, rather than the other way around, where the text comes first and our theology is shaped by the text. So I've offered my reading of the text. I've pointed out what the internet apologists and theologians have to say about the text. What do the experts, the commentators, the scholars have to say about this particular text? I think you'll be surprised when you see what the experts have to say. Let's move on to our second point. Point number two, scholars commenting on Mark's gospel. So I pulled six commentaries off the shelf on Mark's gospel, and I'm just going to talk about what they have to say about this particular passage and offer my own comments regarding what they have to say. So in no particular order, let's start with the first commentary. This is the Hermeneia commentary on the Gospel of Mark, written by Adela Yarbrough Collins, female scholar. And this is what she has to say about this passage. She says, quote, First, he distances himself from the address by asking, Why do you call me good? Second, he explains why he refuses the characterization of himself as good by stating no one is good except one, namely God. End quote. So Dr. Collins sees Jesus distancing himself from the statement. She seems to come to a conclusion similar to what I have concluded. Jesus points to someone else who is the good God. And there's a footnote here footnote 30, where I think it's very interesting what Dr. Collins has found out. She says that Israel Abrahams, there's another scholar, pointed out that the idiom of this phrase, and then she puts the Greek for no one is good except one, the God, is thoroughly Hebraic. And she cites Abraham's work, Studies in Pharisaism, Book 2, page 186. So she is making the case that the phrase, no one is good except one person, God, is actually a Hebrew idiom, and that this has been pointed out by another scholar. So you can chase up those references in Israel Abraham's book, Studies in Pharisaism, which apparently is a two-part book. 
That's very interesting. So what Jesus would be saying here, according to Collins, is something that everyone who was a Jew would have understood as a basic idiom within their language. Now Collins goes on and says that in the first part of his response in verse 18, the mark in Jesus shows his modesty and piety by not claiming for himself qualities and prerogatives that belong to God alone. This portrayal of him contrasts with the accusations of the scribes and the high priest and council elsewhere in Mark. End quote. So Dr. Collins says that Jesus is not claiming to be the good God. Jesus is pointing to someone else, namely God, as the one who alone is good. Very interesting. That's our first commentary. Let's look at our second commentary from the New International Greek Testament Commentary by R.T. France. The late R.T. France. He died a few years ago. And France says this about the particular passage. He says that there is a problem only in the context of a formal dogmatic assertion of the sinlessness and divinity of Jesus. At the time of Jesus' ministry, this could hardly have been an issue. And the fact that Mark and Luke record the exchange in this form suggests that they, too, did not see it as a problem. So what France is saying is that the problem that people have with this particular passage where they get upset that Jesus is not claiming to be good, and Jesus pointing to someone else who is good, namely God, is only a problem for people that believe in the divinity of Jesus. And he says at the time of Jesus' ministry, Mark didn't believe in the divinity of Jesus. Luke didn't believe in the divinity of Jesus. Those two writers did not see this as a problem. France goes on, and he says that it may be questioned whether any original reader of Mark would naturally have seen any such implication here, still less that by drawing attention to the use of agathos, the word good, for himself, Jesus is in fact inviting the question to confess him as divine. That would be a monumental non sequitur. End quote. Now, a non sequitur is an illogical conclusion based on the facts given. What France is saying here is that by Jesus talking the way that he does, he is not likely inviting the quote-unquote rich young ruler to confess him as divine. For Jesus to be wanting this guy to confess him as divine, that would be a non sequitur. That would be an illogical conclusion. It would be illogical for Jesus to want this rich young ruler to confess him as divine. So R.T. France, the late R.T. France, seems to agree with Collins and understands that Jesus is distancing himself from the good God, and that this is only a problem for those people who start with a formal dogmatic assertion of the divinity of Jesus. 
our third commentary, the Word Biblical Commentary, Volume 2 by Craig Evans. In the Gospel of Mark, there are two volumes. They're actually written by two different persons, but this volume is written by Craig Evans, and he points out that the word order places the emphasis on the me. Why me do you call good? Why do you call me good? Jesus is putting that emphasis on himself. Why are you pointing to me, Jesus? And of course, Jesus responds by saying, no one is good except one, God. And Evans points out that God is the source of all goodness. And that Jesus has come to announce the arrival of the kingdom of the God of Israel. Mark 1, 14-15. The God who is the giver of all things. Jesus' purpose is not to draw attention to himself. Though his person and ministry are of such an extraordinary nature that that very thing happens, his purpose is to draw attention to the God who saves and heals forgives and restores and gives eternal life. Evans goes on by saying that Jesus is not implying that he is somehow imperfect or any less than good, but only that the focus must be on God, for it is God who has made a covenant with Israel that must be honored. So Evans seems to be pointing out that Jesus is not drawing attention to himself. Why are you calling me good? There's only one person good. That's God. God is a source of all goodness. Jesus talks about and points people to God, but he's not pointing people towards himself. Fourth commentary, the Anchor Bible Commentary by Joel Marcus. Also a two-volume commentary, but Dr. Marcus authored both of these volumes. And Marcus points out that the phrase that no one is good except God alone is actually an emphasis that is drawing on the Shema of Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So Jesus, according to Marcus, is saying that God is one person, as was already understood by the Jewish people within the Shema of Deuteronomy 6.4. He says the Shema implies the uniqueness of divine attributes as well as of the divine existence. And then he cites Deuteronomy Rabbah, which says, for example, it is used to provide the singularity of God's glory. He goes on in his comments to say, quote, the specific way in which the Markan Jesus alludes to the Shema, however, has proved troubling to Christians down through the centuries. Why do you call me good? There is no one good except one, that is God. 10.18 There could be no more dramatic illustration of what Karl Barth, echoing Kierkegaard, has called the infinite qualitative distinction between God and humanity. Check this quote out. Jesus seems to range himself with sinful humanity in its alienation from the only good being, God. End quote. So Joel Marcus thinks that Jesus is distinguishing himself from the only good being who is God. He cites other scholars who 
understand this as the infinite qualitative distinction between God and humanity. And he points out that this has been troubling for Christians throughout the century. Well, why is it troubling? Well, it's troubling because people often begin with their own understanding of God and Christology. They bring that to the text, and when the text doesn't agree with it, they think that's troubling. They should start with the text of Scripture and formulate their beliefs and theology from what Scripture has to say. So Marcus has an interesting point here where he thinks that Jesus is actually alluding to the Shema. The Shema that says that the Lord our God is one. And of course, Jesus is not claiming to be that one God. He is placing himself on the side with sinful humanity. Moving on, our fifth commentary, the New Interpreter's Bible Commentary on the Gospel of Mark by Theme Perkins, another female scholar. Perkins says that Jesus immediately switches the focus from himself to God. No one is good but God alone. Jesus is not imposing his word on that of God. Jesus does not replace God in any way, but represents the coming of God's rule. Perkins also says that reference to God as the only one who is good recalls the opening of the Decalogue, which is the Ten Commandments. So Dr. Perkins notes how Jesus is switching the focus from himself to God. Jesus is not claiming to be that one God who is good. Jesus is drawing attention away from himself in the claim that he is the good teacher by saying that no one is good but God alone. She'll point out that Jesus represents the coming of God's rule, but Jesus isn't that one God who is good. In our sixth commentary, which is the Wisdom Commentary by Warren Carter, has, I think, the plainest and clearest statement on this. Carter says that the unnamed rich man addresses Jesus as good teacher. The adjective good seems to denote respect and recognition for Jesus' authority, but Jesus deflects it, declaring that God alone is good. The deflection presents Jesus as an appropriately pious and reverential man in honoring God. Yet on other occasions, he has appropriated God-like powerful actions as God's son or agent. End quote. So Jesus here, according to Warren Carter, is deflecting the title, saying that only God is good, and Jesus does this as a reverential and pious man. He is God's son. He is God's agent. He does God-like powerful activities, but he does it as God's son or God's agent. I just think it's interesting that when we look at six commentators on the Gospel of Mark, not a single one of them says that Jesus is actually claiming to be the good God. There are oftentimes that commentaries get things right. They can look at the plain reading of text and they can see it on simple passages and they can state the obvious. Sometimes it's the religious people that begin with their own theology and they twist and bend the text 
in order to make it say something that it doesn't actually say. So, in conclusion, we have observed that the Gospel of Mark tells the story of how the kingdom of God was inaugurated in and through the ministry of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In the midst of this biographical gospel account, Jesus often speaks about God and defines him in ways that tell us about Jesus' own understanding of monotheism as well as the doctrines that Mark wants his readers to adopt. We first observed that on a plain reading, Jesus deflects the good compliment, choosing to say that only one person is good. Jesus then says that this one person is God, thus demonstrating that Jesus was a strict monotheist who taught that the one God is only one person. We also noted that this view of God as a single person was shared by other Jews, according to Mark's gospel. Second, we noted that Despite this simple and clear statement by Jesus, wherein he distinguishes himself from the one good God, many internet theologians and apologists double down and argue that Jesus is actually claiming to be that good God. We pointed out that this would make Jesus alone the good God, since Jesus defines God as one person. We suggested that this way of reading the text is not persuasive and that it has troubling consequences. Lastly, we took a look at what modern critical Bible scholars have to say about the passage. We noted that there is a consensus, perhaps a unanimous consensus, that Jesus is not claiming to be the good God. Rather, Jesus is saying that someone other than himself, is alone good and the true God. It is true that Mark possesses a high human Christology, but Mark also draws a clear distinction between the Son of God and the true God, who alone is good. The Jesus portrayed by Mark's Gospel is a good unitary monotheist, defining God as a single person. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. We'll have more Christology from the Gospel of Mark in future episodes, so please look forward to it. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please consider supporting us as we promote these very important truths. You can offer a donation by checking out the PayPal link that is linked with this episode. Special thanks to our producer and editor, Dustin Williams. But I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, you folks take care.